Good morning. I know y'all are probably sick of hearing me talk. Um, you got me for one more time. Yeah, y'all are too nice. You're too kind. Um, well, let's uh, recap briefly what we talked about last week. And this will be very brief. But we talked about you know creation and God's plan for us. And that he's, he's made us in His image. Um, made us in the image of God. And He's made us in relationship. That, that part of what we realized that the image of God was, was us living in relationships. That's part of how we reflect the image of God. And so, um, all of these things have a bearing on who we are. And what it means to live our lives as men made in the image of God. And so we looked at these relationships and what we saw was... Um, we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with each other, um, other men, other women, our wives, our children, all of these relationships. And we have a relationship with creation, with, with the world God has given us. And one of the um, implications of that is that we have a relationship, that relationship plays itself out in our work and how we... Um, how we serve God by, by working, whether it's uh, you know, architecture or lawyer or uh, if you work at a restaurant. I mean, any of those things. That's how we, how we serve God. And that's one of our relationships. And that's part of what it means to be created in the image of God, is to be creative and to engage these things. But what happened? We, we disobeyed God. We didn't... Um, we ate from the one, the one tree, the one fruit that He told us not to eat from. We disobeyed Him. We sinned. And all of, all of those relationships, all of these, this perfect creation God had, it came tumbling down because of our inability to listen, our inability to obey God. And so... Um, we're still we're still feeling the the fruit of that now, if you will. We're, we're our world is still broken. We have a broken relationship with God, with each other, with work. It, it, it's impaired. We saw there in, in the end of Genesis um, this little strange little promise where God says um, to the woman, He says, "Satan will bruise your heel." Satan will bruise the heel of your offspring, but your offspring will bruise his head. The, 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 the Satan's not going to have the last word. There's something more to come. There is somebody even who's going to come and take care of this problem. And we've seen that in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has come um, to save us from our own sins. And part of part of the consequences of that is that all these broken relationships are going to be restored. And we, we look ahead to the future when that actually is fulfilled when Jesus comes back and there's a new heavens and a new earth and, and our relationship with God, with each other, with our work, that, that, that's no longer a problem. It's no longer a cause for stress and concern and we, we live out fully as God created us to be. That's where we're going. Where we've been, where we're going, and what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now, today, tomorrow, with these broken relationships? Because the fact of the matter is most of y'all are going to have to get up and go to work on Monday. Or go to school. 
We'll see y'all, or, or, or many of y'all will come home to your wife. If you're not doing that now, you might one day. How are you going to live in those relationships? How are you going to live together as men in, in this world that's um, still broken, frankly? It's been offered salvation, but it's still broken. It hadn't been finalized. And that's what, and frankly, that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the year. We get, we get these foundational things. And then starting next month, we're going to really dive in into some specific relationships, some specific problems that we as men are going to face day in and day out. How are we going to do it? How are we going to live our lives? Well, what we want to do um, today is kind of root, uh, uh, really get to the bottom of these relationships. What are they based on? What are they based on? And what this means, guys, is we might have to think a little, um, I don't know, abstractly, theologically, if you will. And it's going to be challenging, um, especially to some of y'all, maybe some more than others. But you can do it, okay? So just, just engage with me here for a second. I know you've all had coffee. So listen, um, let's, let's just engage for a little bit. Why? Where do these relationships come from? Well, what, what is God? Somebody tell me about God for a second. Anybody, raise your hand. And, and Who is God? What is He? Foster. Spirit. He's spirit. Okay. Anybody else? Creator. Creator. Father. Father. Always. Always. Love. Holy. Holy. Ruler. Ruler. Okay. Um, how many gods do we worship? Okay. But how do we know him? Through scripture, but. Uh, but somebody said it really quietly at the beginning. What the answer I'm looking for? We know God is one. God is one, but we also see Him as three, one and three. This is um, Trinity, if you will. And it is, you know, I get scared even to talk about this, um, frankly, because it's you know you're wading into heresy if you even come close to talking about God as the Trinity, because we don't understand this. It's really hard to understand, but, but it's important, it's really important, and it's practical as well. And I want you all to, to, to know that. This is a practical thing to think about. So, God has um, all those things, and he, He's loving, He's creator, He's eternal, and all of those things He does as Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and how are we going to get our minds around this? One analogy that's often used is... Um, is if you think about water, and, and I'm going to throw this out there, I'm going to say it's not a perfect analogy, but if you think, if God was water, water has three states. Water is a gas, um, water is a liquid, and water is a solid. It's the same thing, but three different states. Now, that's a good starting point. The problem with that, though, is water cannot be liquid and solid at the same time. Water can't be solid and gas at the same time. Water is, is one of these three. And, and so God's not like that. God is, is one, but God at the exact same time is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, so you can start with that water analogy, but we've got to do something different with it. Um, so another way to think about it 
um, is that God is a dance. Okay? Just think, just, just roll with me. God is a dance. I know I'm talking to a bunch of men, and you're like, what the heck? What kind of God is this? Just, just roll with it for a little bit. If we think about God as a dance, um, a three-person dance. And, and first of all, we need to know that this idea of Trinity is in Scripture. That's it's very important. So in, if you read Genesis 1.1, um, or, or the first three verses of Genesis, it talks about God the Creator. God's Spirit is there hovering above the expanse. And God, um, the Word of God is there. So God the Creator speaks and the Word of God creates. Okay, Jesus, the Word of God is, is um, and John chapter 1 talks about um, Jesus being there from the beginning. That all things were created through Him because He's the Word of God. Um, uh, among many other places, another place we see the Trinity is in uh, Jesus' baptism. He is baptized by John, and God speaks coming out of the clouds. He says, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased, and a dove representing the Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus. So there you have, you have Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Trinity. One God, three persons. And what I want to say is in a dance together. So how does this work? How, how can, if, if they're in a dance, they're obviously relating to one another. And I want to read a verse from John. This is John's Gospel. Chapter 17, if you've got your Bibles. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay to bring them next time. John chapter 17. What's that? I know, I know. We can get over that now. John 17, verses 4 and 5. Okay. Now this is Jesus praying to God the Father. This is an example of how this Trinity thing works. Jesus is praying to God the Father and He says this, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work You gave Me to do. And now, Father, glorify Me with Your presence. Glorify Me in Your presence with the glory I had with You before the world began. So here's Jesus, if you remember, it says in Philippians, He he emptied Himself of His glory. He emptied Himself of of what it meant to be God so that He could um, become one of us. And Jesus has said, that glorifies the Father. The Father glorifies the Son by restoring Him, by raising Him from the dead. It's this mutual glorification. And the same thing happens with the Holy Spirit and the three persons of the Trinity. And so, one thing they're doing as Trinity, kind of within themselves, it's Himself, I don't even know how to say it, um, is they're glorifying one another. That's part of what it means for this three-person God to be in relationship with Himself, is He's glorifying Himself in a, in, in a bunch of different ways. And so C.S. Lewis um, says this, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity. A life, almost a kind of drama. Almost, if you will not think me irreverent, 
almost a kind of dance. Another theologian says this, Each divine person harbors the others at the center of its being. God's interior life overflows with regard for others. And so, you have Father, and you have Son, and you have Holy Spirit, one God, and the way they interact with themselves is this idea of um, submission, of glorification, of they're, they're dancing together in this relationship, um, pouring out themselves for each other. And it, this is a, a complicated thing to think about. Um, but they're all, it's all self-giving love. And so, let's go another, another step further. If you're dancing with somebody, you have two options. You have two choices, okay? You can stand there like this. I know this is probably what most of y'all do. You stand there like this and let them dance around you. And then you're the center of the dance. You're it. And you just stand there. Or, if you're dancing with somebody, you're both moving. And you're dancing around each other. You're, um, if you will, you're orbiting around somebody else. And that person's orbiting around you. And that's, you can think of the Trinity like that. These, these three persons serving one another like that in a dance. And now here's, here's where it gets, starts to get practical. Because to relate to somebody like that, in that kind of mutual relationship where you're both orbiting around one another and serving one another, to relate to someone like that, you have to love them unconditionally. For instance, when I was in high school, my teachers made me read a whole bunch of books, one of which was um, Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. Um, Now, I started reading that book to get a good grade. I didn't really want to read it, but I started reading it to get a good grade. And so, I was using this book to serve my own needs and my own agenda. Um, Once I read it, I found out that is an amazing story. It is an amazing book. I love it. I've read it. I've read it several times. And now when I read it, I don't read it to get a good grade. I read it because I love it. Because I want to be, just, just to soak it in and to enjoy it. So if we're in relationship with someone, you can love them as a means to an end. So um, you can love them in order to get something in return. Which means that's you at the dance standing and let somebody dance around you. Or you can just love them unconditionally. You can love them simply because you love being with them. You don't, you don't get anything in return. You just, you just love them. And when you love somebody like that, you can't help but serve them. You can't help but serve them. And so again, we'll come back to this idea of, of Trinity. God, from the beginning of time, has been in a relationship like that with Himself. 
from the beginning of time. He's in, in this self-relationship where he's self-fulfilled. He, he loves himself and he serves himself just like that. And this is the God who created the world. And so the fact of the matter is, a God who loves like that has created a world with relationships where we're called to love one another like that. Made in the image of God. If this is true, if God is into self-serving, self-fulfilling dance with Himself and He created a world, the world is supposed to reflect that. Okay? Are y'all tracking with me? A world that is um, doesn't serve itself but serves others in relationship with others, loves them unconditionally. So the problem um, <clears throat> with sin and our sinfulness, even though we're redeemed, we're, we're still sinful, the problem with that is we're trying to be the center of our own universe. We want everything else and everybody else to orbit around us. And so, um, we do this all the time, we don't even realize it. Because, alright, you think about it. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God gave them one command. Don't eat from the tree. Don't do it. Now, if you're Adam... If you were Adam and God said, don't eat from this tree, what would be your first response to that, do you think? Why not? Why? Why not? Why can't I eat from the tree? Okay, well right there, you're in a self-centered relationship. What's in it for me? So if you ask God why, if, if you're reading Scripture... And God convicts you to do something, if the, if the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart, if, if your first question is why, you're using God. You're using Him to get something that's in it for you. If God has to explain Himself to us, then it really becomes all about us. Yeah, God, I'd love to. Why? Why do you want me to do that? Oh, I see. That'll be really good. Okay. If God has to explain Himself to us, then, then we're in this total self-centered relationship. And that's the problem with sin. And that's why it's so darn hard to be a man, or a woman for that matter, but for our sake, for a, to be a man in this world. Because we're always asking why. What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? What if we started serving one another like God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit serve each other? Okay? What if we started serving one another like that? And the place we have to start, before we can do that, is we've got to serve Jesus. We have to start by serving Jesus. If we can't do that, then then nothing else is going to work. But if you can start by serving Jesus... These things are going to start to fall into place. So you've got to ask these questions. Do you love Him? Do you accept the forgiveness that He is offering you? Can you serve Him? Do you want to serve Him? 
We came here to talk about being men. What does that look like? Well, the world, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the world's going to tell you two things. One thing they might tell you is that, well, if you're a man, you're a bumbling idiot. You need to become more like a woman. That's the message if you think about television, um, radio. That's the message we're getting as men. But there's another message, and we usually don't like to hear that one um, for, for a good reason. But the other message is this. You've got to make something of yourself. You've got to be a self-made man. Whether it's money or status or just accumulating a bunch of stuff, that's what the world's going to tell you. You've got to make something of yourself. That's not true either. It's not true. Honestly, if that's the kind of man you want to be, if you want to be the self-made man, the man who, who, who pulls himself up by his bootstraps, who is a rugged individual, if that's what you want to be, that is easy. That is easy. You can walk out of here and you can take that path and you can do it for a little while. That's the easy path to take. Or you can listen to Jesus. Mark chapter 9. Most of you all probably know this one. Mark chapter 9, Jesus says this. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What's in it for me? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Oh, that's another verse, sorry. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross. This isn't about being a self-made man, about success, about status. This is about following Jesus, about giving, sacrifice, about dying. That's what it means to be a man. You want to be a man, give up your life for somebody else. Follow Jesus. Center your whole life around who He is. If you can get that right, if you can somehow figure that out, then all these other things are going to fall into place. Your, your, your marriage, your children, your work, these things are going to fall in line behind Jesus. I said this the other night. One of the most common alpha testimonies goes something like this. I met Jesus here, for, for sure, But since I've taken Alpha, my marriage has turned 180 degrees. 
we were going to be divorced and now we can't get enough of each other. Or since I've taken Alpha, my relationship with my children is that much better. And it has nothing to do with Alpha, but it's about finding Jesus. And these things just fall into place. It's amazing. So while we're talking this year about what does it mean to be a man, a godly man, to have <coughs> foundations of a godly man, we've got to start, how's your relationship with Jesus? How's your dance? Are you just standing there? Are you asking Jesus to orbit around you? Are you dancing with Him, submitting to Him, and loving Him? So, there's some ways to do this. There's some ways to, to, to make sure you're doing that. It's not just going to happen. And so, we, um, Mike's common encouragement, and this is right on, is... Is there's there's three things you should be doing at least, but um, you know you should be reading the scripture, doing devotions by yourself, getting into God's word. You should be at corporate worship with a large group on Sunday morning, um, and small groups. Being in some sort of small group um, is so important. But here, here's what I want to challenge you on today, especially on that small group idea. What if you were just with a group of um, three men? Three men that you could trust, that could hold you accountable, that could ask you questions. How's it going? How's your marriage? How's your spiritual life? How are things at work? A group of three guys like that, they could just hold you to account. I can't make you do this. But I want to encourage it. Find some guys... Do that. Start asking these questions of each other. Just call each other, check. Say, hey, how you doing? How's life treating you? How's Jesus? And so, if, if we're going to be a part of this, if you're going to keep coming each month, which I hope you will, that might be a good place, a good thing for you to do. Um, because you can, we can come to these talks, and we can talk as a big group, and we can talk as a small group. <coughs> And we can just check in with each other. How's life? How's it going? How's your walk with Jesus? When you do stuff like that, and you're reading your scriptures, and you're worshiping on Sunday mornings, um, all of a sudden you're in a relationship. You're in a dance. You're not the center of your own universe. You're, you're, you're orbiting and you're circling the God who created us, who made us in His image, who wants us to come back to Him. So that's all I got in terms of a talk. But, but let's practice maybe this idea of small groups once again. Y'all have been very good at that. And so um, this doesn't have to be serious accountability. But, but, you know, grab three guys right now. It can be the three guys you're sitting with. And just ask yourselves, I don't know what questions to ask, but ask, you know, how's it going? How's life? You know, what, how does this talk make you feel? What do you think about this? Um, and just talk to each other for Ten minutes, and then Jamie's going to close us with a song. Um, and maybe uh, one thing y'all should do, y'all should pray for each other. You know, get in a group of three guys, check in, and then pray very quickly over each other. Um, and we'll sing, and you can go home. Okay? Do it.